What up, squad? It's your boy, Dr. Peyton Vickers. I'm a licensed chiropractor in the great state of Texas. I specialize in rehabilitation and performance enhancement. I talk all things biomechanics, fitness, health, mindset, and overall wellness. I believe that life is a sport, and that if you have a body, you're an athlete. So grab your whiskey, grab your wine. This is the Whiskey, Wine, and Spine podcast. Cheers, y'all. All right, y'all, welcome. I'm really excited about this. Um, I have a very, very, very special guest. Guest, <laughs> I'm already messing up. I have a very special guest. His name is Mason Spellings. I've known this dude for years. I mean, since, honestly, I thought about it and I actually have it written down in my notes probably since middle school, middle school but I was thinking about it today. Man, I've known you since like elementary, dude. So it's been a very long time. Um, he has such an amazing story. So much so that I had to have him on the podcast and I know, I know there's another story about life experience, but this one honestly is massively different. And uh, there's a reason why I decided to call this episode Paralyzed Performance. And y'all are going to hear why I'm not going to give any crazy foreshadowing or any, anything like that. Um, it just encompasses the entirety of what I want this podcast to be. Motivation, perseverance, fitness, re- rehabilitation, kind of the whole nine yards. So um, yeah, what's up, dude? How are things? Hey, we're doing good. <laughs> yeah. I, was thinking, I was thinking the same thing. It's been like forever. Like, and not only do we do elementary, middle, high school, we even went to college. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember yeah. when you were living across the street from my girlfriend's place, Aspen yeah. Heights. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. Such a whirlwind. It's been such a long time. Crazy, crazy. So, yeah, let's just dive into this story, man. Um, and again, just just to kind of preface, dude, uh, I just I cannot thank you enough for being willing to tell the story. I know it hasn't been the easiest for you, and but I just I really think that the listeners will benefit a lot from it. So let's just start from the beginning. So uh, I know what happened. This is honestly the first time I've heard the story from your point of view and getting all like the nitty gritty details. Yeah. So. Um, so you were writing, right? I mean, you were, you were doing motocross, you were writing. Um, so let's start from there. What was going on? Yeah, man, it was just, uh, just a, a normal Saturday going out to the practice track, just going out riding for fun. You know, um, it was, it was, a, a new track, like a new build. So I hadn't ridden that track before, but yeah, everyone always thinks like, they always ask me like, Oh, were you, were you racing? You know? And I was like, no, it's just, just out riding, having fun. Um, but uh, it, we were rushing to get out there that afternoon. I'd been at work all morning and was just trying to get a little bit of seat time. And they call it, you know, you just want to, sure. you know, get some get some time on the bike so you stay sharp, you know. And I was I was really getting back into my racing that year, and so there's a little bit of self pressure to go riding more, you know, and make sure I can take advantage of it. And, yeah. And just, um, and just to preface, you've been riding for like literally your entire life, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. So like you're, 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 no, like you were the wakeboard dude. I was, <laughs> I was the motocross guy, right? Let's yeah. Be yeah. yeah. No, like, <laughs> I love it. I was like what we were associated with. And, yeah, and we yeah. were good at it. Our yeah, family yeah. spent a lot of time doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I was, I was like, uh, in my later, obviously, almost spent every weekend growing up on a dirt bike and weekdays as well. And, you know, in my older years slowed down and something I would go in waves of, you know, wanting to get back into it and wanting to get back into racing. And then I would take, you know, a few months or a year off from racing. And, um, I was in one of those phases where I was like, man, I'm trying to get back into racing and I'd probably done 
you know, three or four races and just trying to get into the local series and, um, just chasing the sun, man. But yeah, when, when the accident happened, it was just, uh, it wasn't that big of a crash, you know, it was just like third, third lap on this new little, it was a little track. So everything was little, all the jumps were little, um, and sharp and steep, kind of like a, a super cross, you know, night style track. So you're going real high, but not very far, not very fast. Um, and I pretty much got the whole track down except this one jump. And uh, it was at the end of a section. So you hit a couple jumps before. So you were carrying a good amount of speed, but it was, uh, it was like a wall jump. So you, it, it was meant to slow you down. It was almost like a reset jump, you know, that they would build on these tracks. It was right. It was at the end of this section, right before the big start straight, which was just a big flat straightaway. And so you kind of were coming into it too fast and then you would jump really high. And I even remember getting dressed that day and looking out, watching people hit the jumps and just kind of looking around. And I saw a few guys jump this jump and went, Ooh, you know, it's, it, you could tell it was, it was setting them funny, you know, where their front end was going high. And so I already knew that it was going to be a little different. And the few laps before I'd come up just a little bit short, just kind of hitting the knuckle, you know? Sure. And so it's not, it's not that smooth. And I was like, man, I really want to, you know, clear this thing smooth. And so I came around with all the intent of getting over it smooth and carried a lot more speed and, uh, went a little bit too high and I was going to overshoot the jump. And I was actually like laughing in the air, like, like, whoo, 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 it's going to be a fun, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. here we go. Cause you know, you always like, you're always confident that everything's going to be okay. You know, you're always going to ride it out. Right. You know, and uh, I knew it was going to be a little sloppy or or not the prettiest of landings, but um, I landed back wheel first, front wheel slammed down, and the way my suspension unloaded, that that back end kicked up hmm. as the front wheel was coming down, and it just darted me forward into the ground um, so quickly that I never actually I didn't even take my hands off the handlebars. Oh, wow. Right. I remember the noise of the bike and the feeling of hitting the ground, but I flipped forward so quickly. I didn't even, I, they, they call it like when you lose your, your footing with the ground, like I didn't know what was up and what was down, Oh yeah, you know, yeah. and, um, foot forward, snapped my neck, landed on my back. And I thought I just knocked the wind out of me, you know, that feeling. And of sure, course, yeah. like motocross, riders your first instinct is get up and get out of the way right right because sure. you're 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 especially on the back side of a jump like yeah that. you got other riders on kind of yeah route. so yeah. Your, your first thing is just move, just get up and get off the track and then like check your body you know so i i immediately it was hard to breathe and i thought oh man knocked the wind out of myself and um i don't know if you've ever like like busted your tailbone Oh yeah, like, plenty of times. like snowboarding or like even slipping on ice. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And you, yeah. That and you hit your your tailbone, and it kind of sends a shock wave, and you you kind of like can't move for a second. You know, sure. you can't can't feel your ass. And uh, so I thought something like that had happened. You know, I thought okay. oh, I knocked wind out of myself or I busted my tailbone. That initial shock. Right, right, and then like I guess another second or two goes by. And you're like, dude, I don't, I don't feel anything, you know? Wow. Um, 
yeah. And you're just laying there staring up at the sky. And my injury level was so high that, I mean, I couldn't even lift my arms. So I was just literally just laying there staring up at the sky. And I was like, Oh, yeah. Oh, and you know, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm paralyzed. Like I was saying it out loud. Like I knew right then. Oh right my God. Away. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't even that big a crash, you know, like I said, I was, I was laughing right in the air. I was like, Oh man. It's gonna yeah, be funny. It was it was honestly, I mean, I mean, from what from what it sounds like, it, it seems like it was because I'm sure this isn't your first wreck, right? So it seems yes. like you kind of knew what was coming and yes. you've done it before, which is insane, right? Because you've had you've had enough practice in uh with motocross and you've actually had enough practice with the crashes as well. I'm sure that you you were kind of preparing for that anyway. So let me ask you, I mean, do, do you think because it was a new track, do you think that that was a factor? as to why you got in a wreck or why you, you know, I've, I've obviously thought it sure. a million times. Um, and I mean, I've thought of everything from was my chain too tight? Was my yeah. suspension too soft? Right. You know, um, and that's just something we'll never know, but yeah, it's like, as far as the, the intensity of the crash was not there. It just was the bone that I broke. Man, you know, just, I could have like, yeah. I've broken tons of bones before I've flown 50 feet through the air and like a rag doll. And mm -hmm. uh, it was just that I so happened to break this little bone in my neck and it hit my spinal cord. It was just, you know, wild. So oh, that's, that's incredible. So what, so, so what happened after, after that, after you got in a wreck, um, or I guess after you crashed and you were laying on the ground, kind of staring up at the sky, yelling yeah. out for help, what happened? So I, I knew right away that I was pretty much screwed. And so they came over to me and I said, call the helicopter, you know, like, like, this is bad. Like I want to go to the nice hospital. I don't want to go to, we were in a uh, Baytown area, okay. you know? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, y'all need to take me downtown. And sure. good for um, you, man. I don't know if I would have been able to, to be that, <laughs> that clear minded, yeah. you know? Well, no, I, I had freaked out a little bit, but I had lots of friends there at the track, sure. you know, I knew, I knew a ton of people that were there riding that day. Um, and they were keeping me calm and, you know, was freaking out a little bit. You know, I could like move my left arm, just like I could like kind of wiggle my left arm. And I just kept trying to move and just kept trying to move. And everyone's like saying, stay still, you know, um, it was a, a funny phenomenon that I've heard of other people have, but I, I thought my legs were up in the air, you know? And really? so I kept asking, I was like, are my legs up in the air? Like, I felt like I was sitting on my back with my legs, like sticking straight up, straight up. And everyone, everyone was like, no, no, they're, they're flat on the ground. And so that kept freaking me out. Wow. Um, and so they load me up in the helicopter and it was this, this thing where as we got in the helicopter, I started to feel a little more relaxed. And then as we got to the hospital, I started to feel a little bit better about it, you know, and then the doctor comes in and starts talking to me and, I just kept thinking we're getting closer to fixing this, you sure. know, we're going to get this fixed. And, um, so, you know, we, we find the helicopter, we get there, they do the CAT scan real quick and, you know, they go, Hey, you've fractured your C4 and it's bruised your spinal cord. And I go, Oh, well, you know, it's just a bruise. That's not a big deal. We'll be good. You know, it just bruised my spinal cord. And so, you know, I even saw my wife want to roll me into surgery and, you know, she was able to come talk to me real quick. I was like, don't worry, babe. You know, they're going to, they're going to fix me up. Yeah. We'll be good. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, they roll me in there for surgery. 
and um this is all moving like super quick i mean within yeah. like i probably say i broke my neck at 3 p.m i was in surgery like 4 30 you oh know god wow that's yeah and you're not yeah it was, it was very much emergency move quick uh, they get me in there and i remember talking to the doctors and i'm like hey i still got my contacts in and there's like 12 people in the room around you they're like does anyone know how to take out contacts I was like, I was like, you have, Come on, you guys. You have these like, world-class surgeons. I'm like, y'all are about to open me up, man. I hope y'all can take my contacts out. That's incredible. I was like I joking with the doctor. I was like, you know, don't mess up, man. And, um, <laughs> I had no idea, no idea what I was getting into. You know, I was still at this point, like I've fallen down, I've sure. broken things. I've always been able to get up, you know? And so they're going to fix me. And uh, I ended up being an eight hour surgery. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea what I was putting my family through at the time, you know. So I had friends and family sitting there for eight hours, you know. They don't know if I can talk, you know, if my brain works. Like, they're just waiting to, to hear from the doctor. And um, my wife always tells me, like, the doctor came out and is explaining the surgery to her, you know. You know we had to go in the front and, you know, remove the bones. And then we flip him over and we put a cage in and we put all the bones back in there and we, we fused it. And, um, and she's just waiting for him to be like, is he okay? You know, right. so the doctor's right. like going, explaining the surgery for minutes and minutes. And then finally my wife's like, but is he okay? Right. You know, and the doctor, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, he's all right. He's fine. He's stable. Um, so you know, then you spend a couple of weeks in ICU, just basically laying in a bed um, waiting for kind of the swelling to go down and stuff. <clears throat> um, and then from there, they eventually move you to a rehab hospital, um, where you spent another two months. So did um, you, so when did, when did you know that you were, cause I mean, you went to surgery, you thought you were going to be fixed up. I mean, when was it that you were like, okay, I'm, I mean, I'm paralyzed. Like this is, it's, you know, it, it's wild. Like I, even when I was just first laying in the dirt, like right after my crash, I had these visions of me, like at Christmas with the family. And I'm like sitting there in a, in, in a wheelchair, wow. you know, I was like, dude, like, did this really just happen? Like, and, and I'll be honest with you. I didn't know much about neck injuries, like being a, a quadriplegic. Right. Sure. I thought, I thought like there's Superman, you know, like where you're breathing through the tube and it's everything from the neck down right? or, or like you're a para, right. you know? And I had right. no idea, like, like the way my injury is, you know, it affects about half my arms, you okay. know, my hand, my hands don't work. Um, but my half of my wrists work, like I don't really have triceps. I have biceps. I have wrist extenders. I don't have wrist flexors, for example. Sure. Um, and so I was like, what is this? Like, what do you mean my hands don't work, but I can move my arms, you know? Yeah. It's um, interesting. Yeah. So that was a huge learning curve. Um, but that's, I mean, that's why you spend two months in the hospital to right. figure all that stuff out. But okay. you know, you spend the first couple of weeks ICU and, um, that was just trying to, to learn how to breathe. You know, they took the first, they have you on a, a ventilator, and they took that out and then I got pneumonia. So then they had to go in through my neck and, and cut my, my trach out so I could breathe. Right. Um, Which is very common for any of the listeners. It's actually very, very, very common. If they do put a trach mm -hmm. in you, 
um, to get an infection of some type, just because of like what it is, no matter how clean it is, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that day specifically because like, I'm trying to breathe and they're like, Mason, you know, breathe that whole like phenomenon of like, I can't breathe. And they're like, you can do it, breathe slowly. And they're like, well, you're going in for surgery, another surgery. Then you wake up and you got a hose in your neck, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first two weeks are real, real rough. Um, we finally got moved to the rehab hospital and, um, you're just, you're just keep, you know, keep looking forward to getting better and people fixing you, you know? Um, and I remember it was probably like two or three weeks and I finally got to like sit in a wheelchair, like get out of bed, you know? Wow. Yeah. And like, that's huge. You're like, I'm like out of bed, I'm sitting up you know, and there's all, all sorts of issues like blood pressure, um, things like that, like nerve pain. Um, but for the most part, you're just kind of like, just numb. It, it's bizarre. You did know? you have any, like, I mean, as far as like the numbness goes, did you, I mean, you literally couldn't feel anything or was there like a tingling sensation? Was it kind of, it was just different areas for different things? At first it's, it's, it was nothing. Okay. Um, my original diagnosis is, is what they call like a complete injury, um, gotcha. which is a bad thing. Actually, when it's complete, it means like complete severed of the spinal cord. Um, and they have like a nurse that comes around for the first couple of weeks in ICU and they come in every day and they go, Mason, wiggle your toes wiggle your toes. Right. Can you, you know, and someone comes yeah. in and asks you to do that every, every day and you just try to move them, you know? And I remember, gosh, it was probably about a week or so in and my wife is playing with my toes one day and I'm like, are you touching my left big toe? She goes, what? Oh, wow. And I'm like, I'm like, I think you're touching that toe. Right. And she's like, yeah. Can you feel it? And I was like, yeah, I can. And she's like, okay, where am I touching right now? I said, oh, you're touching my right foot, you know, and yeah, uh, wow. just, just that first feeling of someone touching my toes and me knowing where they were touching. That's incredible. You know? That's a and huge that's deal. It, that's a huge was. deal. Yeah. yeah. Yes. At the time it was huge deal. Um, so that was exciting. I remember that moment specifically. Um, you just, you have a lot of moments like that. That's incredible. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So you, so you've been, man, so you've been doing all kinds of different types of rehab. I mean, you went from straight up. Okay. So we so we went from laying down, you're learning how to breathe again, sitting in a wheelchair. You're, you're, you're essentially feeling, you're starting to feel again. And then as far as like, I mean, I know that I think it was in Denver, you went to, the, you're going to this, this pretty dope ass <laughs> rehab place where they, I mean, they specialize in, in spinal injuries. Do they not? Yeah. And I said, yeah, I started here in Texas for the okay. first six months. Gotcha. Um, and I did, uh, about three months in the hospital here in Texas at tier. Um, and that's, yeah, that's all they do is like brain, brain injury, stroke and spinal cord. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I even had to learn how to swallow again. So I didn't, I didn't eat or drink anything for like three weeks. And wow. then they take, they take you in and cause you know, it's your neck, your neck, your neck swells up, it swells shut. 
and and then you lose all that muscle strength all your diaphragm your esophagus like all that stuff you use to swallow is just gone and i remember my one of my therapists because you you get like ache therapists you get a therapist for speech you get a therapist uh for your diet you know a therapist for occupation which is like feeding yourself you know picking things up getting dressed and obviously your physical therapist for just you know muscular stuff um gosh and some other things i can't even remember but i had like eight different doctors on this board that all had certain jobs that they were they were specializing with me on um but yeah they take you in and they they basically are x-raying your neck and you do a swallow test and you have to swallow these different like things you know and i remember one of them was a marshmallow and it was like the first the first thing i had tasted in like 21 days oh my god like like i hadn't hadn't had water touch my tongue you know what i mean and i got wow. to eat a mar- i got to eat a marshmallow and i was like wow that was delicious so they, yeah, yeah. So they, they actually, I mean, uh, forget what they're called, but because you couldn't swallow, they had to insert some type of, I mean, a tube pretty much. Tube, into your stomach, yeah. right? wow. No, I didn't get, I was lucky. I didn't get a peg tube. So okay, okay. Well, lucky. I admit, I don't know. They went through my nose. So gotcha, they put like a, gotcha. they put like a three foot hose up your nose down into your stomach and it's got a weight on the end. Um, which somehow miraculously I pulled out. And I remember the nurse really? coming in. I don't know how, dude, but the nurse came <laughs> in. The nurse came in one night and she goes, How did you pull your hose out? Like, what are you talking about? She's like, Your hose is not in your body anymore. And I was oh like, Yeah, dude. And the only reason I remember that is because they had to put it back in. And that was awful. Like, I was, I would, I would have rather been knocked out for that. Oh my God. That's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's ridiculous. So, that's crazy. Yeah. And so then you get past that and then they eventually were able to take my hose out of my neck so I could start trying to, to breathe. Okay. And, um, when they do that, they have to like teach everyone in your family how to basically suck out your throat because you can't clear your, your throat. So if you have any like secretions or snot or something, you're literally like choking on your own spit. Right. And so I had like, I wasn't allowed to go anywhere without this little like lunchbox and this lunchbox had like a vacuum on it and a hose. So that if I started choking, someone could like stick it in my throat and suck out the spit. Oh, so they literally have to insert it. Oh <laughs> yeah. God. Wow. So I went a few weeks like carrying that thing around the hospital and you get like a special bracelet, you know, and anyone that's with you has to have the bracelet on and you kind of just go through these little phases and you're just trying to kind of, graduate to the next level you know sure sure um you know like you get a bracelet where you're like allowed to drive your wheelchair yourself which really wow yeah which when you're at that level and your arms like and you're like basically your arms barely work you can kind of sling them around and they they put you in this 500 pound power chair that does like six and a half miles an hour and you're just running into everything you know Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah, Because not, well, not only that, but like your, so your arms and your hands aren't working necessarily correctly, but at the same time, you also have to almost reteach yourself how to use them in the first place. So you kind of have, they're a little bit unstable. And on top of that, you have a little bit of like neuromuscular reeducation. If you want to use a big fancy word, 
that you yeah. actually have to just you you literally have to teach it's like teaching um you know the first it's like teaching a kid how to write cursive for the first time you know very much yeah i always tell people i was i had a 30 year old brain and a newborn body right that's a great way to put it okay yeah and and it's a moving target because you're regaining muscles and 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 connecting and regaining strength while you're also learning how to use what you've got you know so you're you're like i'm i'm still to this day will do something that was really really hard for me to do maybe 12 months ago you know and now i'm like dude look how easy this is you know that's awesome um, and part of that's technique you know like uh i had one guy tell me like right off the bat like hey this isn't strength this is strategy you know interesting um, wow but i've been real lucky to to get a lot back and, and i'm still making gains you know sure as far, as far as that goes you know absolutely so i mean how so are you still i'm assuming you're still doing rehab and yeah i mean how how many times a week are you doing that what does that look like how many hours a day does that look like i'm sure you have home exercises to do yeah what, what does all that yeah. look like um it's it's a job man it's definitely yeah, yeah definitely a full-time job uh like right in here at my desk, I've got toys that I still play with for my hands. I've got, um, you know, a power dot e-stem. Yeah, yeah. I use yeah. that a lot. That's huge is the electricity, electrical stimulation. We still do that. I've got um, a little five-pound dumbbell here. Okay. And a special Velcro thing I use to strap my hand to it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've got a garage full of things. But I'd say at least, you know, on the on the light days, just like a little hour or two of some stuff. Gotcha. And on, on the heavy days, I can I can go for four or five hours easy. Wow. Um, I've got a gym that I go to mainly to work on stuff I need, like someone's help to do, you know, like and it's a really cool place here in Houston called Project Walk. And they've they just know how to deal with my body. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and I really, I go there mainly to work, work on my lower extremities, my legs, my, my core. Um, we do a little bit of upper body stuff, but now I'm at the point where my walking is getting to a good point. So we're real focused on the walking. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd say at home's more upper body, you know, okay. yeah. stuff I can do on my own, but walking, I need, I need about at least one or two people to help me walk right now. Yeah. So absolutely so i mean i'll be honest man most people would be in pretty bad spirits in, a, in an event like this i mean absolutely yeah i think I, I think you know what's what's important to note as well because i've known you for so long is you've always you've always had a positive attitude i think having a mindset like this um prior to the accident probably helped you kind of bounce back um you know it's it, it's not like this is brand new to you um, but I mean, what, like, what were your motivators? I mean, what, what kind of kept you, was there ever a period where you were like, you know what, fuck this, like, this is just, there's no way I can continue this. Or were you just, or, or I mean, you're a competitive guy. I mean, was that part of it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, I was a double-edged sword, the, the competitiveness, but to answer your first question, like it was just easier to be in a good, to be nice to people, you know, I mean, you're, you're literally having to ask people to scratch your nose and stuff the first, like, few, you know, few months. Um, 
you can, you can't do anything on your own. Right. And so it's like, if you're going to have to have like work with someone for everything, feeding yourself, getting dressed, go to the restroom, it's just more pleasant to be nice to them. You know, like they're going to have to help you either way. So it's like, um, I've definitely found that out early on, you know, anytime a nurse or a technician or a, a therapist walked in the room or I was starting a session with them, it was like, what's up? Let's have fun with this. You know, like we could do this and cry about it, or we could, you know, make jokes and smile about it. And, um, you know, it's a lot easier to catch bees with honey, right? There's catch flies with sugar. I don't know how the saying goes, but, um, that, yeah, that, that's just, that was just me being mean. And, um, it's like, it's their job to work with you. You might as well make it fun for both of you. Um, no, that's incredible. I love that. Especially yeah. cause like, I mean, you had every right to an excuse. I think yeah. if you were, if you were a little bit grumpy or an asshole for a day or, you know, whatever yeah. that may be, I don't, I don't think anyone would have been like, you know, he's just a dick. Like, I think everyone would have known that you're going to situation, <laughs> right? Like, and, and because, you know, it's, that's something that I found is very impressive and something I, I talk about, I, I talk to my brother about a lot, actually, is that, you know, character is, in my opinion, really defined whenever you have every right to an excuse, but you choose not to use it, right? Yeah. People that, that are, are paraplegics, quadriplegics. And they're like, because like, what's the point of going into the gym or what's the point of learning how to walk again? Or what's the point? Right. And they're just like, you know what? Fuck all that. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do every, anything and everything in my power. Not only that, but I'm going to have a positive attitude. I'm going to be nice to people. I mean, that is, that's just not easy to do at all. Yeah. And I mean, you just gotta, you gotta want it, you know, you gotta want your life back. And, you know, for me, I I had a lot of guilt early on, you know, I I felt like I I fucked up, you know, I went out, I crashed my dirt bike and I didn't just paralyze myself. I did this to my wife. I did this to my parents, my sisters, my, my friends and family that were having come visit me in the hospital um, they were spending the, they were, you know, I was never alone. You know, my sister would spend the night and then my wife would be there in the morning. She would stay for a couple of days. And then my mom would come stay for a couple of days. And they were, they were literally. And so you have this support team and you see them, what they're going through to help you. And that's your motivator right there. You know, you're like, I, I don't want to put my loved ones through this anymore. Um, and, you know, it took me a long, long time to get over that guilt. You know, that was definitely the, the worst part for me, the heaviest part of it. Um, and, and it's a selfish thing in a way to come back from an injury like this. You really you do have to be all about you and all about yourself and all about your recovery. Um, and so that was the challenging part for me. But as far as the motivation, I, I wanted my life back, you know, um, I wanted to, to be able to do everything that I was doing. And you don't, you don't think of your life being any different, you sure. know, when it's something like that happens and you can't do anything the same that you were doing before. And so you're forced to look at life in a different way. 
um, you're forced to kind of go back to the drawing board and go, well, what does really matter to me? Like, why am I here? Um, and now I'm, I'm grateful for that experience. Yeah. But at, at the time you're like, you're like, no, 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 no. You know, th this isn't, this isn't, you know, I'm not going to live life this way. Um, and so it's, it's a process. I'm still going through it. You know, they say in the spinal cord, spinal cord world, there's a, like the five year rule. I've heard a few people say, you know, like something about when you get to five years, mm -hmm. you know, the, the transition phase is what they call it. Okay. Um, transition into your new life. And, uh, you'll hear people use that a lot. And um, I'm not really sure where I am in the process, but um, it's definitely been a long road for sure. Is that whenever they say the five-year rule, is that just, are they just talking about how like you're getting used to it? You've accepted that this is kind of what it looks like or. Yeah. You know, it's, that's the biggest thing is it's different for everyone. And yeah, I guess people say your, your, you know, your habits change, the people around you change, say your, your, your work or what you do for fun or stuff like that. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, I need to wait three more years before I'll be happy or anything like that. Sure. But um, just to give you an idea of how long it takes to overcome the injury, you know, I still feel like I'm just getting started and I'm two and a half years in, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to go on. There's a lot, there's a lot to be done. Um, and I don't think you'll ever stop. Right. Because like, I'll be honest, no, no. you know, it's, and what's yeah. interesting about that is like, I, I don't, I don't really give a shit if, if people are, are quadriplegic paraplegic or if they're the healthiest person on the, on planet earth, everyone should be essentially trying to push themselves and working on themselves, no matter what, whether they're being forced to do that, like you are, or whether they're trying to get new goals or whether they're in rehab with frozen shoulder or whatever it is, it's, you know, honestly, man, it's, it's never going to be perfect. And I think a lot of people try to make it perfect. And I think what's very interesting, what's very, very interesting about this is a lot of people, they view fitness like some super swole dude on stage flexing or benching 405 pounds pounds by like five or or they see a, a little girl dolled up in a in a in a bikini taking booty selfies and that's what they view fitness as and fitness is just strengthening getting better at certain things having certain goals it's the same exact thing so you're doing fitness you're becoming stronger you're you know oh, yeah. you're, you have your goals and it's it's all the same it's all relative it's all it's all the same exact thing and i think that's very important for the listeners to know yeah, we, it, it sounds like going to the Olympics, you know, training every day for one exact reason and one purpose, you know, for for four years, you know, and that's uh, uh, a great way to think about it, to approach. It. And that's that's kind of been our mentality, you know, and I'll say we a lot in our lot because it's been such a team effort, you know, with my wife and my parents, Um it, it, it takes a team for sure. Your support is, is crucial for absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, and you have to have that communication. Um, you know, you, I think at this point in time, you're really just searching to have, you know, to learn because you want that freedom back and you want to be able to be independent in some certain ways. And honestly, man, like kudos to Caitlin, which is, uh, I think, you know, as soon as, 
as soon as we we heard everything going on, like homegirl was like in the gym. I mean, she was working her tail off, making sure that she was healthy for you. And I think, um, I mean, that's that's incredible. I know that this hasn't been easy for, I mean, any of us. Let's be real, man. It's not about any of your any of your. I mean, like any of us. It is about you. And I think that's incredible. And kudos to you for for talking about that and giving giving your family um, some points there. But I mean, how how has your family been? been dealing with it i mean obviously in the beginning it was it was very rough your mom is like a second mom to me i've known her for literally for you know years and years 20 plus years so um it is very important to me to know how your family has been doing with all this as well yeah i feel like our moms talk more than we do i do they do yeah. <laughs> they, um, they do <laughs> um no i mean they they're just they're my biggest cheerleaders they're they're they've done great it's definitely rough on my dad you know um you know, being the person who like dirt bikes was our thing, yeah. you know, and it was like our favorite thing. And then it, it was kind of, we're like betrayed, like how can dirt bikes do this to us? You know? Um, so I think that was rough. Um, my wife, she was, you know, everything from so proud of me to pissed off at me, you know, for going out and doing this, you know, she's yeah. like, what were you thinking? And, yeah. um, it's just they're the first people you know that I think about after I make a an achievement in the gym or something you know if I have a good day at walk and I'm like oh man I can't wait to share that with them um and I think that they're just they're just relieved at this point that we've kind of made it through um to a point where where I'm living life you know so I think we just, that was the goal was like, let's just get back to where not everyone's having to worry about Mason all the time, you know? Um, but everyone's good, you know, just, just had lunch with my mom for early mother's day. And I'd okay. say, yeah, I'd say we're, we're all doing fine. It's <laughs> awesome, man. I love, I love that. I mean, I think one of the main points of this story is, um, just so people can resonate. I mean, it's obviously an incredible story, but I, I think people need to start where they're at. You know, it's, I think too many people are, they have these massive goals and, and like, be, just because you're not there doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to get to those things. Like I'm probably never going to be able to bench 405 pounds. Honestly, I'm like, yeah. shit. I'm not really good at bench pressing. So it is what it is. But like, at the same time, like it, it's important to know where you're at and find that out first because i think a lot of people yeah. they jump the gun so quickly right like why would i go to the gym yeah. if i can't squat all the way why would i go do bench press if if my arms don't work correctly or anything like that and i think it's very important to just yeah. start where you're at um you know i think there are just so many steps that people jump um and you don't have to train like like somebody else you have to train like you do and what you need and what you require. I'm sick of people trying to train like an NFL player. If you're not an NFL yeah. player, like why are you doing that in the first place? But um, people require much different training depending on yeah. what you do on a daily life. Right. I mean, like you, you require something, honestly, like I bet, I bet money that if I went in there and did the same rehab that you were doing, I'd probably be sore the next day. Like the shit that you're doing is not, is not easy. I don't, yeah, I don't. And, and sore. That's the funny thing, man. Is I yes, I do get sore depending on the exercise, but it it's still more mentally uh, strenuous. You know, um, I point. I come out of the gym 
and not not really physically tired but like I wouldn't I would not be able to have a conversation like this like I'm just mentally shot you know and I'll even if my wife called my wife calls me after a two-hour session especially after doing some walking and, and like really like a lot of leg work and stuff um I'm I just my brain is so exhausted you know I, I you're going in there and you're trying to find muscles and and make these new connections and I always describe it like being in a in a pitch black room with a shitty flashlight and you're trying to find a really small object you know and you're like trying to figure out how to get that muscle to fire and you're just you're wiggling your ears you're wiggling your toes you're just going through everything like trying to find that calf muscle or whatever it is that you're yeah. trying to use at that time and um it's 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 like you were saying earlier you can't take it all on at once because it's just overwhelming there's especially my injury was so high and you know i would say 90 percent of my body is affected by my injury sure you know on, on a muscular level and you, that's more than you can do in one day you know you cannot work on that's all of those point. muscles in one day and and as far as how humbling it is I used to laugh at myself in the early days when I was just, just trying to lift my arms above my head. That was my workout, right? Like, like, yeah, okay, let's, let's work out. Let's just stick our arms up in the sky over and over, you know, and let's do that 20 times. And I'd be sore from, from just raising my arms up and then, okay, let's try to throw punches. And um, I remember being in my kitchen and my sister's holding out the, I got, I got a punching gloves on and everything, boxing gloves and everything. And I'm so weak that I can't even hit the pad with the boxing glove. Like by the time my arm stretches out, I'm like, have no more strength to push into the glove, you know? And then she raised, and she'd raise them a little bit higher. And I'm like, I can't even, I can't even get my arm there, much less like hit it hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and you start laughing at yourself because you're like, this is just ridiculous. Like how does man? I don't know. A lot of people you know, don't actually do that. I think a lot of people it, would become frustrated. And a lot of people would become, oh, it, you know, it, they, it would be, it'd be tough. It is. It, it's defeating. It's, it, you know, there's, you fight yourself on, man, I can, I can only do that little wiggle. I only do that little movement. Like what's the point of, yeah. of doing, of working on that? It's so minuscule. It's so small, but you know, you keep working on it and it turns into something big, you know? Um, and so like we, we were so good about saving videos and documenting everything and, and months would go by and you would look at a video of yourself from three months ago, six months ago, and you would be blown away, you know, like, wow, I forgot, I forgot how weak I was. You know, I forgot that I couldn't sit up without passing out or getting lightheaded or, you know, that I, you know, couldn't reach, you know, something on the counter. Um, and I still have that data like today or any day I'll be doing something, say I'm getting ready in the morning, brushing my teeth, whatever. And I'll just have a little moment of reflection. I go, man, look at you, you know, look at, look at you doing this all on your own. Look how easy this is for you now. Um, and that's, that's, you've really got to remember that it's all about where you started, where you were day zero, day one, laying in the hospital bed, 
couldn't feel anything, couldn't yeah. move anything. Couldn't breathe. Yeah, and it all goes back to that. That's that's your that's where you were. And everything that you do after that is an accomplishment. It's incredible, man. I love that. And that's that's awesome for people to know too, because a lot of people, when it comes down to any goals, anything having to do with fitness, anything having to do with your work, if you're writing a book, anything like that, it's small things add up. And I think so many people are trying to make a million dollars and they forget that you have to make a dollar first, right? It's not, it's yeah. not a it's not a million fifty dollars. It's a million dollars. It's a million singles and it slowly has to add up. And that's why it's important to look at yourself weekly. That's why it's important that to have, it's way more, it's so much, it's so important to really get after the, um, have the more than one little speck of data, right? Because if you just look at your, if you just like, for example, if you just wake up and uh, you check the scale every morning and that's it, and that's what you dictate your health on, I mean, like, like how accurate is that? It doesn't really, that doesn't really matter as much. It's one piece. And I think it's very, very important to make sure that you do speak about those things out loud, right? Because this is why therapy is also so important in my, in my opinion, just because there are different sections of the brain, right? So if you're trying to um, process something, then you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And it's just like, it's always, it's just like sticking in your mind and you kind of can't get rid of it and you don't understand it. And yet then you start to speak it. Whenever you speak it, you're, you're literally using a different part of your brain to, to have an action of speaking. Now, yes. whenever you, now when, yeah, now whenever you speak it, you're, since you're speaking it, now you can hear it. So since yeah. you can hear it, now you're using another section of your brain. And so your brain is literally able to process it better because you're opening up new windows within the brain itself. So it is very important. It could be super corny. It, could, it might be super cheesy to like speak it into the universe, but honestly, fuck all that. I don't really care because it works. It honestly yeah. works. And you do need to talk to yourself like that. Yeah. And no, I worked uh, with a, a neuroplasticity functional trainer. She called herself, uh, we did, we did, we did, yeah, she was, she was eccentric, man, but she was cool. She had some great ideas. I love that. It's awesome. She was out there. Um, and we did a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work in the pool, you know, and a lot of that, that self-talk. Um, and that's huge, man. I use that all the time. Uh, like, you know, talking to my body when it's doing things, if I'm having spasms, like involuntary movements, you know, sure. um, which is just a wild thing. Um, but like you were saying earlier, one day at a time was the motto for a very long time. You know, it was just like, let's just focus on today, do what we can today with what we have today, you know, like, you know, whatever, whatever is moving right now, let's work with that. Um, and that was, that's really the only way that you can digest something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so bizarre, all the different things that we've tried, that, that work. Um, it's still great. Blows my mind. I can be struggling in the gym to see like, like on my right side, I struggle with my glutes and, and locking out that right leg and the guys can just tickle my quad or give me a little pat on the butt. And it helps me activate that muscle Wow! just by, just by touching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to flex it and squeeze it. And they just, they just give me a little tickle. And I'm like, Oh, there it is. There it is. You know, there it is. I found it. Um, or like the other day I was taking steps and just trying to get, get the, the door C flexion on my right foot and you get my toes lift up. And I was going one, two, three, 
And just that little like anticipation of me counting out loud and holding myself accountable, you know, or, you know, one of the trainers I work with Ross, he, he gets nice and loud. He's got a lot of energy and he'll, he'll go squeeze, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I still, to this day, because of Ross, when I'm taking a step, I'll be like, squeeze. I love you it. You know, and it, it's it something about saying that, you know, I don't even really know what muscle I'm squeezing, but it helps me lift my toes. You're doing it. Yeah. yeah. Because I've, associ- I've associated that word with that feeling, you know, do it. Yeah. Dude, I, mean, <laughs> I love stuff like that, man. I mean, working yeah. with my patients, whenever I'm doing rehab and stuff, I do the same thing. I'll kind of poke and prod in certain areas. Um, and it just is, increases your proprioception. For those of you who don't know what proprioception is, proprioception is just you knowing where you are in space. Like me sitting yes. here right now, I know that my knee is bent. That's all proprioception is. So whenever anyone who, who wants to understand this a little bit better, there's a cool little party trick. All I want you to do, stand up, touch your toes, see how far you can go and stand back up. I want you to touch your six pack area, your core kind of very quickly, just kind of poke around a little bit on your, on your stomach and then do it again and see how much farther you actually go. That's what Mason is talking about. Whenever you kind of poke and prod and do things like that. Why do you think whenever people do squats, they like slap their quads really loudly, right? Because you are yeah. literally increasing your connection from the brain to that muscles. That is very, very, very important. It does work speaking things into the universe, no matter how corny it is shit like that works. I mean, I love everything that I'm hearing in it. And it just, and what's awesome about this is that it imply it applies to so many things uh, in life and to so many people, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, uh, metabolic for crying out loud, the whole nine yards there. So I think that's, that's incredibly important and honestly, wildly, wildly underrated. Yeah. I mean, it's, it took me a while to get used to it, but we literally know nothing about spinal cord research and we have, I mean, we have some theories. Uh, there are some things that generally work for everyone, but I mean, even some of the trainers I've worked with, they're like, dude, you're a freak. doesn't make sense. Like, you know, like the other day I was like standing in the parallel bars and we're working on no hands, like standing balance. And like, I can be, I've got my arms on each parallel bar and I'll take one arm off and all these muscles on that side will turn on like, oh. un, like unconsciously. Right. Yeah. Like just, I'll take my hand off. And, and so I don't fall. They, they start, but like, it's, it's like a reaction. It's like, I can't turn that on the reflex. And, the reflex there you go and yeah, yeah, yeah. you got you got the big words bro i'll describe it and you can uh, <laughs> decipher it but you know we're i'm working with nate and i'm like oh man my ear really itches and i just take my hand off parallel bar reach up scratch my ear he goes did you just do that for real wow and wow. i was like i was like oh i didn't even think about it you know what i mean like that's I'm incredible sitting there, i'm sitting there trying so hard to balance with no hands and my ear itches and I just don't even think about it and take my hands off. Um, yeah. You subconsciously trusted your body to just react. Yeah. And, and like, like my abs don't really work when I always need them to, but like mm. sometimes someone will say something really funny and I'll start laughing and I'll be like, Oh, I can feel my abs. You know, my abs. Hey, are yeah. I love that. Know, like, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like every once in a while in the morning I'll be, uh, before I put my shirt on, I'll be, 
moving around and stuff. And I'll have to say, Hey, look, babe, look at my stomach. My wife looks over and I'm like the six pack still there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, <laughs> it shows, it. it shows up every once in a while, you there know? You go. Good um, man. Hell yeah. But yeah, it's, it's super wild as far as, um, like my, my, I took my first step with my left leg, like about a year, almost like to the day, a year. Wow. Um, I didn't take a step with my right leg until like almost, almost a year later. Wow. I want to say about nine months. So I went nine months with just, just my left leg working, you know, and working isn't really the the statement, but being able to take a step with it Sure. and those nine months I'm going to therapy going, dude, is, is this it? Like, am I just going to get one leg? Right. Like, is the other leg going to work? Am I going to be able to, to take steps? Like, that's I don't so want to just walk in a circle the rest of my life. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 That's <laughs> so that's, that's when it goes back to just keep your head down. Just take it one day at a time. Trust the process. Yeah. As cliche as that sounds, I hate that phrase, but yeah. um, I get, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's wild, man. It's been a wild experience. Yeah, for sure. I love it, man. Well, do you have any, before we wrap up, do you have any advice for anyone out there that's struggling with anything uh, that you would just like for them to know? Oh, just, you gotta be grateful to be alive. You know, you're still here. The, the, the world is beautiful. You know, you gotta remember to stop smell the roses, look up at the beautiful sun, the yeah. sky, the trees. Listen don't take to a picture earth. of it. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, don't um, take a picture of it or a selfie. Just like, actually, yeah, take your time yeah, with it. Yeah, just, just, you know, remember you're you're alive and that's a gift. Um, and, and just remember to be grateful. Yeah. Awesome. I love it, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on, telling your story. It's been absolutely incredible. Um, it's crazy. And I'm proud of you, honestly, truly and honestly, man. I'm, I'm very proud of you. Very proud of what you've been able to accomplish. I cannot wait to see where you're at in a year, two years, 10 years. Yep. Um, it's going to be incredible, man. You're, you're going to be doing some some crazy, crazy, great, great, phenomenal things. So um, yeah, man, I just appreciate your time, brother. Hey, anytime. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you later, buddy. See ya. I appreciate y'all so much for listening. Do me a favor. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a five-star rating and review. To catch all the latest from me or if you're interested in one-on-one coaching, find me on Instagram at Dr. Pivik. That's D-R period P-V-I-C-K. Thanks again. And remember, dysfunction is a prerequisite to pain. Weak things break. Consistency is king. See y'all next time.